This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin with one of my favorites, Inner Sanctum. Paul McGrath was known only as Your Host or Mr. Host. He was a Broadway actor who turned to radio for a regular income. Beginning in 1945, Lipton Tea sponsored the series, pairing McGrath with cheery commercial spokeswoman Mary Bennett, a.k.a. The Tea Lady, whose blithesome pitches for Lipton Tea contrasted sharply with the macabre themes of the stories. She primly chided the host with his trademark dark humor and creepy manner. Uh, the program's familiar and famed audio trademark was the eerie creaking door, which opened and closed the broadcasts. Hyman Brown got the idea f- from a, a door in the basement that he said squeaked like hell. The door sound was actually made by a rusty desk chair. The program did originally intend to use the door, but on its first use, the door didn't creak. Undaunted, Brown grabbed a nearby chair, sat on it, and turned, causing a hair-raising squeak. That chair was used from then on as the sound prop. And on at least one memorable occasion, a staffer innocently repaired and oiled the chair, forcing the sound man to mimic the squeak orally. Tonight's episode on Inner Sanctum is You Could Die Laughing. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you once again to the Inner Sanctum. Do come in and join our circle, but watch out you don't get Double cross. <laughs> but, uh... Oh, you're disturbed by those bodies dangling from the ceiling. Well, you know some people, they just die to come here. Then they hang around week after week and never say a word. <laughs> well, I have a theory about that, Mr. Host. Yeah, what's that, Mary? Maybe the reason they're hanging around is because they think we're going to serve refreshments later on. Sure, that could be, all right. You know, lots of folks are like that. And who can blame them? When there's good food ahead, they just won't leave. And that's especially true if there's a chance that Lipton tea is on the menu. Now, the reason for that is simply this. Lipton tea is tea at its delicious best. Because Lipton's has such grand, brisk flavor. In fact, brisk is the very word the tea experts themselves use to describe Lipton's full, hearty taste. You'll agree, I'm sure, the very first time you try it. For Lipton's is so lively and full-bodied and satisfying. Yes, it's that brisk flavor that makes more people buy and enjoy Lipton's than any other brand of tea in the world. 
So whenever you ask for tea, make sure you ask for Lipton tea. And now, friends, draw close your chairs. If there are no faint hearts among us, we'll begin tonight's tale of terror. A story written especially for Inner Sanctum by Michael Sklar. Our star tonight is Santa Sotega, who plays the role of Elwood Fitch in You Could Die Laughing. We wanted to escape our problem, to forget about it, so we went to the movies. There was a doctor in the story, and every time he appeared on the screen, I remembered. Halfway through the picture, I couldn't sit there anymore. I nudged Catherine, and we got up and walked out. The street was cold, dark, and empty. Elwood, what do you want to do now? I just want to go back home. All right, dear. Get in the car. Elwood, I I want to talk to you. All right, there's time for that. Please, dear, let's stop being silly about this thing. Let's face it. I am facing it. But you're not. Don't argue with me. For heaven's sake, don't you understand? The doctor said you only got a year to live unless we move to Arizona. Doctors are human. They can make mistakes. Not three, doctor. I don't care. Why are you so stubborn? Why are you so dead set against Arizona? You ought to know why, Catherine. Me? Yes, you. Because of me? Yes. I haven't given you much, Catherine, not even children. But I've been able to make a living. We've been able to get along... What would I do in Arizona without a job and without money? Elwood, slow down. I can still drive a car, Catherine. You're speeding. Let me alone. Passing through a red light. Elwood, that man crossing the street. Look out, you... I... Catherine. Did I... Yes. He's lying on the ground. Good Lord. He walked in front of the car. We... We've got to help him. Is... Is he... He's dead. Oh, hell. I didn't mean to do it. I couldn't help it. It happened so fast. Better call the police. Police? Well, you said he's dead. The police. Catherine, there's no one but us on the street. Nobody else saw it happen. What difference does that make? Get back in the car. Edward, are you suggesting I was speeding. I passed a red light. And now this. They'll arrest me. They'll put me on trial for manslaughter. But my... He's dead, isn't he? We can't help him. Won't do many good if I go to jail. But running away, leaving the body... Catherine, we've got enough troubles without this. We're going to get into the car and drive straight to the garage. I've got a year to live. And I'm not going to spend it in prison. Mr. Fitch, want me to put the car away for you? Yes. Show must have let out early, huh? We we didn't stay to the end, Dan. I didn't care for the picture. Ah, them pictures. I always tell my wife. Say, what did you hit? Hit? Yeah, your front bumper. Blood on it. Oh. Oh. Uh, that, that blood. Uh, a, a dog ran in front of the car. Uh, do me a favor, Dan. Wash it off before you put the car away. Sure thing, Mr. Fitch. 
I didn't sleep well that night. Bad dreams, all mixed up. About doctors. They all looked like the man lying on the street. And their faces were covered with blood. I woke up. Exhausted. Breakfast is on the table, Edward. Just a moment. That newspaper can wait. Your toast is getting cold. Oh. Here it is. What are you looking for? The story. You mean last night? It's in the newspaper? Listen to this. Stenger, victim of hit-and-run driver. Body of Augie Stenger, underworld character, was discovered early this morning at the intersection of Broad and Main Streets. Police believe Stenger was the victim of a hit-and-run driver. <gasps> the, the front door. Yes. So you, you think it's, it's the police? I don't know. Get a grip on yourself. I'll see who it is. Morning. You, Mr. Fitch? Uh, yes. What can I do for you? I don't like to talk business on the front doorstep. Business? It's about last night, that accident. <laughs> what accident? Don't try to act innocent. I saw that hit and run. Now can I come in? <laughs> Let me handle this, Andrew. Who are you? My name is Chandler. I was sitting in my car last night at Broad Main Street. I saw the accident and I followed you home. Thought I ought to talk to you about it this morning. What do you want? The cops are looking for that hit-and-run driver. I'm the only guy that knows you're him. It ought to be worth something for me to keep my mouth shut. You want money? Yeah. Blackmail. Don't talk to him, Edward. Send him away. No, we can't do that, Catherine. He'd go to the police. But Elwood... Leave this to me. All right, Chandler. I'll give you the money. How much? Five hundred dollars. That's chicken feed. A thousand. Ah, now you're talking sense. When do I get it? I'll give it to you now. It's in my coat pocket. Here. Here it is. You'll find exactly one thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. Thanks. Now, get out of here. Now, wait a minute. Don't get nasty, Fitch. I'm doing you a favor. You got your money. Now get out. I'm going. But I'll be back. To call this the first installment. Elwood, where did you get that money you gave him? Money? Last night you said we couldn't go to Arizona because we had no money. You, you just gave that man a thousand dollars. Where'd you get it? I was ashamed to tell you. I took it from Stenger. Stenger? The man we hit. I put my hand inside his coat to see if his heart was beating. The money was in the inside pocket. Edward, how could you? Don't look at me like that, Catherine. We've been married a long time. Long enough for you to know that I'm not a crook or a murderer. But to kill a man and then take his money. Try to understand. All day long I've been thinking. A year to live. A year to live. When you know you're going to die, it does something to you. You forget what's right and what's wrong. I thought, with that thousand dollars and a few hundred we've got in the bank, I thought we might be able to go to Arizona after all. Well, the money's gone. Yes. Don't think about it anymore. How can I stop thinking? You heard what Chandler said? 
$5,000 is the first installment. He'll blackmail us out of everything we own. Shut the door, quick. Who is it, Catherine? Shut that door, Mrs. Fitch. You were here only yesterday. What do you want now? The cops are after me. You and me are on the same boat. What have you done? What do they want you for? Murder. Murder? You shouldn't have come here. I figured this place ought to make a pretty good hideout. No. You can't stay here. Who's going to stop me? I won't allow it, Elwood. I won't have this man in my house. All right, cut the squad. No. I stood a lot in you, Chandler, but stay away from me. Don't you dare touch him. Elwood! Oh. Elwood! Oh. Don't, don't cry, Kathy. I'm all right. Any more back talk, Fitch? No. Okay. I'm moving in. He took over the house... He used Catherine and me as servants, treated us like dirt. There was nothing we could do about it. Just the three of us, cooped up in that little house. Couldn't go out. Food and cigarettes were sent up from the store. Went on like that until Tuesday morning. Hush, Elwood. Chandler will hear you. He can't. He's in the bedroom. You're... You're going to give yourself up? I can't stand this anymore. I can't stand it. Well, do what you think is best, darling. I've made up my mind. Rather than put up with that man, I'd prefer to go to prison. I'll call the police right now. Hello, operator. Get me police headquarters. Got a pal at headquarters, Fitz. Hey, Chandler. Oh, don't, don't point that gun at me. Cancel that call. Oh, oh, all right. Hello, operator. Operator. Never mind that call at police headquarters. No, 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 nothing's wrong. Yeah. I, I just made a mistake. Thank you. You made your last mistake, Fitch. Imagine that black villain, Jack Chandler. First he blackmails Elwood, then he blackjacks him, and now he blackballs him from using his own telephone. You know what I'd do if I were Elwood? I'd apply for a writ of habeas corpus. That is, if Chandler doesn't turn Elwood into a corpus first. <laughs> Things do look bad for Elwood, I must admit, Mr. Host. My, what a lot of unpleasant surprises he's been having. Yes, and he's in for a lot more, Mary. Goodness. Well, right now, I'd much rather talk about pleasant surprises. Well, that's a lady's privilege, Mary. You go right ahead. A good instance of a pleasant surprise happened to me one of those glorious sunny days last week. Florence Perry and I drove out to the woods to gather spring wildflowers. But we'd scarcely reached the woods when the sky clouded over, and in a few minutes we were chilled to the bone. Back to the car we hurried, figuring the whole afternoon was ruined. And it was then that Florence brought out that pleasant surprise I mentioned. A whole big thermos of heavenly hot Lipton tea. Well, we sat down and had ourselves a regular tea party right there in the woods. Suddenly, everything seemed bright and cheery again. Lipton's had certainly saved the day with its bracing, cheery taste, its delightful, brisk flavor. 
The same thing happens so often with so many folks. Any time during the day, Lipton's is a pleasant, refreshing treat. Tea with a glorious, full-bodied tang that adds extra zest to every occasion. The reason? It's worthwhile remembering, friends. Lipton tea has brisk flavor. Now, friends, let's get back to those lovely people, Jack Chandler and Elwood Fitch. Chandler the murderer and Elwood the hit-and-run driver. It's quite a pair. Together, they make a full house. A moment ago, Elwood tried to give himself up to the police, but Chandler caught him at the telephone. So, you were going to double-cross me, eh? No. I was only going to tell the police about myself. What do you suppose would happen to me when the cops came for you? I ought to kill you right now. Oh, no. You shut up. First thing I'm going to do is pull out that phone so you don't make no more calls at headquarters. Yeah, that settles the phone. Now stand up. What are you going to... The door. Can you see who it is through the window, Fitch? Yes. Take a look. But remember, I still got this gun. Don't try any tricks. It's a man. Recognize him? No. Now listen, before you open the door, I'm taking your wife into the next room with me. I'll be able to watch you and hear every word you say. You know what I'll do to Mrs. Fitch if you double-cross me. Yes. Okay. Now answer the door. Mr. Fitch? Elwood Fitch? That's right. May I come in? Yes, of course. I'm Detective Farley from headquarters. Here's my badge. Mind if I ask a few questions? What about? Well, I've been assigned to the Stanger case. Familiar with it? I... I read about it in the newspaper. A hit-and-run driver. That's the case. What do you know about it, Fitch? Why, nothing. Are you sure? See, here, you, you don't you think... You and your wife went to the movies Friday night, correct? Yes, that's right. Did you drive straight to your garage from the movies? Why, uh, no, it wasn't a good movie, so we left early and went for a ride. Did you pass the corner of Broad and Main Streets? Uh, no. We went in the other direction. You're lying, Fitch. I've been checking garages for that hit-and-run car. Your garage man told me you brought your car in Friday night with blood on the bumper. I told him we ran into a dog. Don't make me laugh. Your story wouldn't hold up a minute if that fool garage man hadn't washed the blood off. Are you going to arrest me? I need evidence first. When I get it, I'll come back. Blood on the bumper. That cop is wise to you, Fitch. He he said he'd be back. Sure. He'll be snooping around looking for proof. Uh, this is one heck of a hideout. I'm leaving. You're going away? Uh, glad of that, ain't you? Well, you got nothing to celebrate. What? What do you mean? I need time, plenty of time to get away from the city. I'm not going to leave you here to squeal to the cops as soon as I'm out of the door. We wouldn't tell the police. Yeah, I'm going to make sure you don't. I got one murder rap on me already. It might as well be three. Three? Elwood, he means... Listen, Chandler. I swear we won't tell. Why should we? Remember what you said. We're both in the same boat. The police are after me, too. You tried to double-cross me once before. I ain't taking any chances. Please, please. There's no use begging. It won't do no good. Well... When, when are you going to do it? Before I go. 
sometime after dark. The rest of that day was a nightmare. Chandler wouldn't let me separate from Catherine. Everywhere we went, everything we did, he was always behind us with that gun in his hand. That gun. I had to take it away from him. He was much younger than I. Big and tough. But I had to try. I watched for my chance. It came late in the afternoon. He was lighting a cigarette. He put the gun down on the living room table while he felt in his pockets for a match. Both of us were the same distance from the gun. I made a dive for it. Hey, get away from that rod. No, let go. I killed you for this. Catherine. Help me. Grab his hand. Let go of me. Let go. Hold him, Catherine. Hang on, Tom. Help. I, I, He's dead. I had to shoot him. I had to. Now what will we do? I don't know. What would he do if the positions were reversed? Call the police. No. The money. The money I gave him. The thousand dollars I took from Stenger. He still got it. It's ours again, Catherine. We're going to Arizona. Arizona. Don't you see? It's just like it was before he came. We'll take the money and we'll go to Arizona. But his body... He's a murderer. He said so himself. We'll put the body into the car, drive out to the suburbs and leave it on the highway. The police will think it was just another gangster murder. I was just able to squeeze the dead body into the luggage compartment. Hurry, Elwood. Let's get away before one of the neighbors sees us. Oh, my gosh. Now what's the matter? Well, the gasoline gauge. It's almost empty. Oh. We'll have to stop at the garage. I drove back to the garage. Had Dan fill the tank. And paid him with one of the $20 bills I'd taken from the body of Stinger. Dan gave me a queer look as he brought me the change. Here you are, Mr. Fitch. Thirteen gallons out of a $20 bill. Thanks, Dan. Oh, uh, by the way, did a detective come around to your house the other day? Yeah, yes, he did. <laughs> I, uh, I hope you don't hold it against me telling him about that blood on the bumper of your car. Oh, of course not, Dan. Why should I? After all, I had nothing to hide. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, you know, to tell you the truth, Mr. Fitch, I, I was a little suspicious of you. I, oh. I thought you really might be that hit-and-run driver. Not that it matters much now. No? No, no. The police don't care much now about that driver. Why not? Oh, he's small potatoes now. I just heard over the radio that uh, that guy Stenger was just about dead even before that hit-and-run driver hit him. Hey, How could that be? Well, uh, the way the radio explained it, Stenger was shot in the back, and uh, he staggered out into the street, and then the car hit him. But you said he wasn't killed by the car. That's right. The coroner's inquest showed that he, he died of a bullet wound. He'd been murdered. The police even know who killed him. They, they know the killer's name? Uh-huh. I heard it over the radio just a minute ago. Oh, yeah, um, Chandler. Jack Chandler. <laughs> I don't remember driving away from the garage. It kept going around in my brain. Chandler had murdered Stenger. Catherine and I had run away from a crime we hadn't committed. No wonder Chandler had seen the accident. No wonder he feared the police. 
And now he was dead. His body packed into the luggage compartment of the car. Elwood, you're not listening to me. What? Oh, I, I, I was thinking about Chandler. That's what I was talking about. If he killed Stenger, why can't we go to the police and confess everything? Because we killed Chandler. But it was self-defense. Would the police believe that? They'd have to believe it. Even if they did, it would be murder in the third degree. They'd learn about the thousand dollars. I'd be held for trial. We'd never get to Arizona. No, Catherine. We've got to go through with our original plan. Elwood, that siren. It's a police car behind us. What are you going to do? They may not be after us. If they do stop us, let me do the talking. Don't be afraid, Catherine. I'll handle it. Uh-huh. Middle-aged man and woman. You answer the description, all right. Name Fitch? Yes. What's the trouble, officer? There's an alert out for you. You bought gas back at your garage a few minutes ago. Paid for it with a $20 bill. That's right. Got any more of those bills on you? Why, yes. Hand them over. Here. Here they are. Uh-huh. Looks like it's all here. This is the stuff, all right. What stuff? What are you talking about? This money. It's counterfeit. Just like the bill you gave the garage man. Counterfeit? Pony money down to the last dollar. Move over. We're driving to headquarters. <laughs> uh, that's the story, Detective Farley. You'll find Chandler's body in the back of my car. Willing to put your signature to this confession, Mr. Fitch? Yes, I'll, I'll sign it. Oh, you could have saved yourself a lot of grief. I know you were the hit-and-run driver when I came around to your house. But I needed the proof, and you gave it to me when you broke one of these phony $20 bills. Did you know then about the money? Sure. Stinger had a long record as a counterfeiter. His girl told us he was carrying $1,000 in bad money the night he was killed. Naturally, when we didn't find the money on his body, we knew it had been taken by the hit-and-run driver. And the blood on the bumper of your car was the giveaway. Well, now that you've caught me, what's going to happen to me? Well, depends on the jury. You might get 20 years. Might get life imprisonment. You might even get acquitted. <laughs> I'm in the courtroom now. Catherine beside me, waiting for the decision. The jury just filed in. The judge has asked if they reached a verdict. The foreman of the jury is rising to his feet. Your Honor, we find the defendants not guilty. Oh, 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 oh Catherine. Oh, Elwood, thank heaven. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Oh, darling, you were right in the very beginning. Money or no money, we're going to Arizona. Well, fooled you that time, friend. Slipped you a happy ending when you weren't set for it. But that jury decision... I don't know. It sounded a bit fitchy. 
<laughs> but seriously, friends, do you like happy endings? I don't, but then some people do. You know, someday, just to make sure, I'm going to have some research organization take a gallows pole. Well, Mr. Host, that seems a lot of trouble to go to when there's plenty of proof right in front of your nose that says people love happy endings. And what is that proof, Mary? It's the way thousands and thousands of families every day top off delicious meals with delicious Lipton tea. There's a real happy ending for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, folks. Try it and see. In fact, so that you won't forget it, add Lipton tea to your grocery list right now, this very minute. It's the world's favorite tea, and you're always sure of getting tea at its tastiest when you get Lipton's. Because remember, Lipton tea has that marvelous brisk flavor. A parting word of advice, friends, drawn from the experiences of Elwood Fitch. If your wife wants you to take a trip... Don't argue. No, don't pretend. Simply bash her on the head and deliver her to the police. You can always say she tripped. <laughs> oh, yes. This month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is I Hate Blondes by Wolf Kaufman. And next week, the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups will bring you another Inner Sanctum story directed by Hyman Brown and called Screams in the Night. Of course there'd be lots of screams The kind you like Blood-curdling And there's the usual triangle A man, his wife, and another girl But the joker is He who grafts best Gasps last Don't get it? <laughs> and for the details Better be listening to Inner Sanctum next week Hmm until then, good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Archie the bartender to reach for the phone. He's getting a call from the boss who owns Duffy's Tavern. It's Duffy's Tavern, the Friday night transcribed feature on NBC's all-star festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama. Here we go, friends, to Duffy's Tavern with our guest, Vincent Price, and starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leave me? Deed, Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Uh, guess who's coming down tonight? One of the finest actors of our day, Duffy. No. Not Dustin Farnham. <laughs> no, not Hobart Bosworth. <clears throat> Duffy, I said our day, not yours. <laughs> it's Vincent Price, Duffy. You know the guy, he plays the hate interest in them uh, psychopathical murder dramas. <laughs> you know, he's always the louse. <laughs> Pictures, uh, you know, when, when Price says, I think I'll take the head off, he ain't talking about a beer. <laughs> That's all them dirty, nasty characters. I want a real suave manner, sort of a soft-spoken, loud mouth. <laughs> With that, you know, that, that sweet, soothing kind of a voice. Don't know whether you should listen to it or pour it on a waffle. 
But in person, Duffy, he's different. He's every inch a gentleman uh, with lots of savoir-faire, you know, the type of a guy you just know that he looks dignified in his long underwear. (laughs) How's the crowd here? Oh, it's the usual after-the-night court crowd. (laughs) Well, look, I got an idea how we can swank up the place if you listen. Well, look, Duffy, who are the biggest spenders? Actors, see? And it's obvious why. You see, actors never have any dough. But they don't want nobody to know it. So, ergo, they spend it like mad. (laughs) Yeah, well, my idea is to turn this joint into an exclusive private club where only actors can be members, see, like the Lambs Club. And well, we'll get Vincent Price and call it the Hams Club. (laughs) All right, I'll call you back, Duffy. Hey, Eddie, uh, now look, I want this club to be different. Now, the first thing we do is to drill one of them peak holes in the door, huh? Well, why does this hole in the wall need a hole in the door? <laughs> Eddie, every club's got one, uh, so that that sort of management can look out and see that nobody gets in but bona fide members. <laughs> well, if you put a peak hole in the door, nobody's gonna come in. Why not? Well, if you can look out... They can look in. Now, Mr. Archie, how are you going to get any actors to join this club? By signing up Vincent Price. You see, Eddie, we've built the better mousetrap here, but in order to catch the right mice, we have to bait the trap with the proper piece of cheese. <laughs> Namely, Vincent Price. Uh, Mr. Archie, uh, what could a man like Mr. Price do in a dump like this? All the things he's accustomed to. Not if he's, uh, accustomed to breathing. <laughs> okay, so we'll air condition the joint. We tried that once, and you remember what happened? What? There, we crawled back into the bottle. <laughs> this time, we'll hold it out with pliers. <laughs> now, what else do we need for the club? Oh, yeah, we'll need a game room. Game room? Yeah, that back room where we keep the pig's feet. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty gamey, all right. <laughs> Now, what else do I'm having them private clubs? Oh, yeah, a library. Well, uh, what's going to be the library? We'll dust off that wild almanac over there. <laughs> Look, Mr. Archie, in the first place, that almanac is from 1914. In the second place, one almanac don't make a library. Let me take your objections in order. Firstly, about the almanac being 1914, the Declaration of Independence is a great work, ain't it? Yep. When was it wrote? 1776? Touché. <laughs> now, for your secondly objection, that one almanac don't make a library, to that I reply the word is almanac, not almanac. There you go. Touché again. Yeah, I think you're slightly toucheed in the head. <laughs> yes, Miss Duffy? I want to ask you something very important. What is it? If a fella says, dearest beloved, I love you more than the sun, the moon, the stars, more than life itself, be mine, beautiful Miss Duffy, be mine. Is that committing himself? (laughs) Well, yes and no. What do you mean, yes and no? Yes and no guy in his right mind would say it. (laughs) Well, it so happens that it was said to me by my boyfriend, Rodney Maximilian Haybinder. 
Miss Tuff, are you still interested in that bum? Bum? You heard me. Archie, it so happens that at Barnaby's Barber College, Rodney is the only one to hold a safety award. Really? Safety award? Yes. He's the one man in his class that they trust to singe sideburns without the professor standing by with a fire extinguisher. What'd they give him for the reward? A hot towel with his name lathered on it? Are you kidding, Miss Duffy? This guy really goes to a barber college? You think I run around with illiterate? Here, look at this letter. Let me see. Darling Miss Duffy... I thought about you all today at shaving class. Look, this letter is a little too mushy for me. <laughs> Maybe you better read it. What happened to him at shaving class? Well, let's see. Um, so, dearest, the professor gave me four demerits. Just for a tiny nick a customer noticed on his earlobe. And, darling, I'm really surprised he noticed it, as the earlobe was on the floor at the time. <laughs> Confusion, I made matters even worse by giving the customer somebody else's earlobe. I don't know what kind of a barber this guy is, but he certainly writes beautiful love letters, doesn't he? Mm, don't be sarcastic, Archie. It happens that there are a lot of X's at the bottom of the letter. X's, huh? Are they sort of smeared in red? Now that you mention it, yeah. <laughs> Miss Tuffy, you know, you're really a lucky girl. It's a lucky thing that the guy didn't go to a guillotine college. <laughs> Customers be walking around without heads. Uh, hello, Arch. Oh, hiya, Finnegan. Oh, hello, Finnegan. Good evening, Miss Duffy. Why, you look pretty. Thank you, Finnegan. Every day you look better. Yesterday you looked better than the day before. And today, uh, you look like the morning after. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, don't mention it. See, Arch. I hear you starting a new club. That's right. Is it going to have dames in it? No, Fanny, no dames. It's going to be strictly non-sectarian. <laughs> so in that case, I think I'll just stick to the YWCA. Fanny, the YWCA is for women only. It is? Yeah. No wonder they keep throwing me out of the steam room. Look, Fanny, the... This club that I'm going to have here is just going to be for actors, but if you'd like to join, I'll use my influence to get you in. No, thank God. I'm too particular. What do you mean, particular? You think I'd join a club that takes people like me? <laughs> I think you got a point there, Finnegan. Besides, I, I belong to too many clubs already. What clubs do you belong to? Oh, the Lonely Hearts Club. The Alpleasant for President Club. Uh, that was disbanded, by the way. Nobody told me why. <laughs> oh, then I belong to the Book of the Month Club. You belong to the Book of the Month Club? Yeah. I have a special membership. They just send me the pictures. <laughs> wow. That's a very good club, that Book of the Month Club. Uh, do you attend their meetings? It's a funny thing, Arch. They don't have meetings. <laughs> really? Nope. No meetings, no parties, no ball team. Personally, I think the whole thing is a scheme to sell books. <laughs> to me, you sound more like you just came out of the Canadian club. <laughs> Please, Arch, I got enough trouble with books. What? What would I do with a Canadian every month? <laughs> 
like to have some fun, why don't you go over to that stove in the kitchen and stick your head in the oven? Maybe your brains will expand. Good idea, Arch. I'll set the oven for a slow broil. And every five minutes, I'll come in and baste you. Now, Eddie, did you start fixing up the game room? Not yet. Well, when you do, I got a terrific idea. See, we'll, we'll get a dartboard and some darts so that the actors can really have a lot of fun with themselves. Uh, how? We'll cover the dartboard with pictures of their agents. <laughs> The game room looks pretty good here, except for one thing. Uh, what's that? I don't think our more conservative members will like this picture of September morn. Tell you what you do. Uh, what? Put a hatchet in her hand, and we'll call it Custer's Last Stand. <laughs> now, let's see. What else does the club need? Uh, uh, members? Members? Ah, oh, don't worry, Eddie. With Vincent Price joining up, we'll have all the actors from Hollywood dropping in. Well, if they're going to drop, this is the place to do it. Hello? Oh, hello, Duffy. You've been thinking it over and you want to join the Actors Club? Duffy, you an actor? You get strange fright when you have to call out your floor in a crowded elevator. (laughs) Duffy, I'm telling you, the place is strictly for actors. Now, look, Holland, take it off, but a burlesque show don't make you no actor. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll compromise you. I'll, uh, I'll make you the chairman of a membership committee. But remember, no fair blackballing guys just because they ain't Irish. Okay, Duffy. Now, Eddie, I got to get this dart game set up. Uh, where's the pictures of them agents? Right here. Ah, oh, the agents' pictures, yeah. Mm. You know, they ain't going to be easy targets. Why not? Even in the pictures, their eyes keep shifting back and forth. (laughs) Wait a minute, Eddie. Eddie, did you notice that? What? A dot just hit that agent right in the middle of his package. Then our first actor must be here. He is the spotlight, if you please. Well, it's Vincent Price. Good evening, Mr. Price. Uh, believe me, W, welcome to this distinction establishment. And furthermore... Thank you, Archie, and uh, may I say... Just a minute. Believe uh, me further, say, Mr. Price, that seldom have we behooved such an august presentiment to these confines. And further besides... Now, Archie, if you don't mind, I'd like to... Please. <clears throat> I ain't through. The man is in love with the sound of his own voice. Let me see. Oh, and feel assured, Mr. Price, that your visit is a bereavement from which we will not soon recover. (laughs) If there's anything you desire, just back or call. There's just one thing I would like. What? An edgewise. An edgewise? Yes, so I can put a word in. Okay, what's the word? Goodbye. Goodbye, but you just got here. Can you think of a better time to leave? Wait, but you ain't had anything to eat yet. What? Eat here in this moldy mocambo? I'd sooner die. There is no sooner way. 
Well, Vincent, I'm glad I'm finally meeting up with you, you know, especially after so many of our friends have said that we resemble each other. <laughs> our uh, friends say that? Yeah, yeah, lots of them. Uh, then let us be known by our enemies. <laughs> I'm glad to see that you're a philosopher about it, Vincent. <laughs> I didn't get sore neither. <laughs> You know, as I look at the both of us, I, I can see the resemblance. <laughs> Take our belts. We're about the same height. And, uh, what do you weigh? About 190. Well, then you got about 90 pounds on me. <laughs> of course, me shoulders is a little narrower than yours. Archie, they only seem narrower because your ears stick out so far. But do you believe me, Vincent? You darken me up a little, give me an owl with a curler, dab a little makeup on me, and I'd look enough like you to spit at your image. <laughs> but there's one way in which you and me is different. Huh? Thank heavens for that. What is it? Addiction. Oh, yes, of course. Our addiction. Yeah, yours is lousy. <laughs> Me, I, I like to use big words, you know? Big words, huh? Yeah. Well, I can think of one right now. Oh, yeah? What's yours? I hesitate to tell you. <laughs> I bet I can think of an even longer one. In fact, I started using big words the minute I learned how to talk. Uh, how old were you when you learned how to talk? Nineteen. <laughs> See, and by that time, I was already in college. <laughs> you went to college? How do you think I got so cultured? <laughs> you are cultured? You don't believe it? Recite some Shakespeare to me. I'll show you how intelligent I can look. <laughs> well, I, um, I doubt it, Archie, but you aroused my curiosity. Very well. He just scars that never felt a wound. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Hey, Arch. Yeah, Finnegan. Who's the mushmouth? <laughs> What's the matter? You sore because someone stole your forehead? <laughs> hey, Arch. Can I punch this guy in the nose? Please, no. <laughs> Just reply in a gentlemanly manner that you never had a forehead. <laughs> okay. So far, I never had a forehead. Arch, now can I punch you in the nose? Vinny, please, no fisticuffs. Mushmouth here happens to be a gentleman. Uh, perhaps I'd better introduce you. Vincent Price, uh, Clifton Finnegan. Highbrow... No brow. <laughs> okay, bud. Let's, let's shake hands and be friends. Isn't there a more sanitary way? <laughs> hey! Hey, I remember you. I seen you in that picture, the three mosquitoes. <laughs> and again, that's the three musketeers. Not mosquitoes. Oh, yeah? I see it in an open-air movie in Jersey. Oh, and I thought all that slapping was applause. 
Finnegan, next time you go to the open-air movie, instead of popcorn, you better take DDT. But don't wait, Arch. What's wrong with it? Stuff tastes lousy. <laughs> Uh, did you ever try citronella with a scoop of ice cream? <laughs> hey, Bud, ain't you a little nuts? <laughs> Vincent, you'll have to excuse me, and you see, just before he was born, his mother had a bad case of fright. Oh, what happened? His father walked into the room. <laughs> well, at least you met the guy. Hey, the arch. Oh, good heavens, he's back in a week. <laughs> This is Miss Duffy, man's best friend. Well, Miss Duffy, I, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to have this opportunity of meeting you. This guy's a better actor than I thought he was. Oh, shut up, Archie. Oh, Mr. Price. Yes? I'm not doing anything tonight. That does not surprise me. He was hoping he wouldn't give you a chance to start. Archie, please. What I was wondering, Mr. Price, is whether you would like a date with me tonight. Oh, but Miss Duffy, what about my wife? I'll let her get her own date. Oh, but I, I can't possibly go out tonight. Why not? Just look at this horrible haircut some idiot gave me. Father college, Jim, if I ever seen one. What'd the guy do? Cut it or chew it off? Oh, Archie, that's not the worst part. I also got a shave and just look at these earlobes. What about them? They don't match. Oh, so you're the one who caused all that trouble for Rodney. What, Miss Duffy, please. Someone would like to see you outside. Who? Me. <laughs> Get out of here. Now, Vincent, leave us get to the point. We're turning Duffy's into a high-class actors club, you see, very ulterior. And, uh, we'd like you to be the first member. The first and only? Well, not the only member. After you find out how wonderful and exclusive the club is, we'll naturally expect you to suck in some of your friends. Well, what do you say to our new Lambs Club? <laughs> Kidding, Vince. This club's gonna be wonderful. Just picture a warm, luxurious room, a roaring heart in the fireplace, <laughs> low lights, you know, and, and soft dive-ins, them little day beds, uh, pictures of great actors hanging on a wall: Edwin Booth, Sarah Bernhardt, Richard Mansfield, Abbott and Costello, <laughs> Maury Amsterdam. All of them. What about my picture? Your picture? I think I have the very place to put it. Oh, no, you don't. Oh. You ain't heard me out. Well, hang it in a place of honor. Under the pig's feet. <laughs> Under them? Don't I even get top billing? Why should you? After all, don't forget the pig's feet have been here longer than you have. Well, what do you say? Will you join if I can get you in? Well. Good. That's... Oh, just excuse me. Hello? Oh, look, Duffy, uh, we've got good tidings. Uh, Vincent Price wants to join the club. What? Duffy, I can't do that. No, you can't with a guy like Price. Okay. 
Mr. Price. What? The chairman of the membership committee desires you to audition. Audition? Yeah. You see, this club is only for actors, and the chairman has certain doubts. Well, hasn't he seen any of my pictures? That's what gave him the doubts. <laughs> Tell him to go soak his head. Right now, he's too busy with his feet. <laughs> now, what do you say? Will you give the audition? I'm sorry, I can't. Why not? Well, as I said, if I auditioned for that horrible Duffy, I'd be a bigger ham than I think I am, and I, I couldn't be. <laughs> Don't worry, you are. <laughs> uh, so what do you say? Duffy's listening. Well, all right, I'll, I'll start off with a recitation. Good. Uh, why don't you give him a little of that Shakespeare, huh? Very well. Uh, <clears throat> uh, to be or not to be, that is the question. Hold it, then. Hello? Okay, Duffy. Not to be. Look, uh, Vince, uh, don't you know no songs or, or jokes? Yes, I know some jokes. Well, go ahead and spring one. Duffy likes jokes. Oh, well, very well. Here's a very funny one. <laughs> Great so far. Uh, well, it goes like this, you see. A, a little boy left his home, and he didn't come back for six years. Uh, when he returned, he knocked on the door, and his mother said, Hello, Cookie. So the little boy said, Why do you call me Cookie? And the mother answered, I call you Cookie because you've been a wafer so long. <laughs> a wafer so long. Do you get it, Archie? <laughs> I get it, but I don't think it's going to stay with me. Well, I know an even funnier one. Impossible. How does this one go? Well, it goes like this. Uh, Pat says to Mike, he says, um, I just received a letter from my sister. She must be very ill. So Mike says to Pat, really? How do you know? So Pat replies, well, she started the letter by saying, I'm in Chicago sick. Oh, Archie, I'm afraid I messed it up. I should have said, I'm in Chicago ill. <laughs> It uh, just happens that that joke just reached Chicago dead. Uh, better tell another one, Vincent, but uh, not quite so funny this time. Uh, I, I don't want to split and explain. Uh, well, actually, do, you, do you think Duffy knows the one about the woman who says, um, I just bought a dog, and the man says, Stitch? And the woman says, Nobody drools a little. <laughs> Okay, Duffy. Well, Ben, so much for jokes. <laughs> what else can you do? Well, I, I can sing a bit. You can sing, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, take a try at it. Well, very well. 
Stand back now. <laughs> you made me what I am today. I hope you're satisfied. You dragged and dragged me down until the hope within me died. You shattered each and every dream. Oh, you fooled me from the start. And although you are not true, may God. Committee has decided your case in the affirmative. You're out. <laughs> Furthermore, the chairman has asked me to dissolve the club, so you have earned a rare distinction, Mr. Price. Oh, what do you mean? This is the first time in history that an entire club has resigned from a member. <laughs> Tavern, the Friday night transcribed feature on NBC's all-star festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama. Brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television. And by the makers of Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. Listen tomorrow evening for The Man Called X, starring Herbert Marshall the Saturday night feature of the All-Star Festival. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Six Shooter, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zuma Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.